Bruce Friedman of Adult Site Broker, and welcome to Adult Site Broker Talk, where every week we interview one of the movers and shakers of the adult industry, and we give you a tip on buying and selling websites. This week we'll be talking to adult industry attorney Nick Zargarpour. Adult Site Broker is proud to introduce ASB Marketplace, the first platform where you can buy and sell adult sites and domains for free. ASB Marketplace allows buyers and sellers the chance to come together on properties that are valued below our company's minimum of $50,000. Don't pay for other marketplaces when ASB Marketplace gives you this service for free. Visit ASBMarketplace.com and sign up as a seller or buyer today. And don't forget ASB Cash, the first affiliate program for an adult website brokerage where you can earn as much as 20% of our broker commission referring sellers and buyers to us at Adult Site Broker. Check out ASBCash.com for more details and to sign up. Now let's feature our property of the week that's for sale at Adult Site Broker. We are offering a rapidly growing hair shaving site. This site shows women getting their head shaved. It does not show explicit content, so it is much easier to promote than other adult sites. The site creates an environment for their customers where they feel like they are getting invited to the party of their hair fetish dreams. They love using slogans like, come join the party. There is a sister site that is a unique method of hosting their videos in a discreet manner for their customers. The site is fueled by redirects. This is essentially the brains of the whole operation. It handles the billing and rebilling, user information, and video displays. There is also a separate forum and a download store that did $5,000 in sales the first month alone. There is no paid advertising. They go directly to their customers with targeted SEO, YouTube videos, and social media. The community for this niche is very loyal, and the members will help any way they can to see sites like this grow. They'll donate. Some will even do work for the site for free. The site has a lot of room to grow with a little more time and investment. There's a mailing list of well over 1,100. Models' hair can be sold for thousands of extra dollars. There are trained producers for these shoots who would be happy to stay on after the sale. This great site is available for only $480,000. Now time for this week's interview. My guest today on Adult Site Broker Talk is Nick Zargarpour. Nick, thanks for being with us today on Adult Site Broker Talk. Hey, glad to be with you guys. It is a pleasure. Now, Nick is a California attorney that has over 20 years of legal experience. He started when he was 12 uh, in business and business litigation and over 35 years of experience starting and running successful small businesses. I think he ran his first business when he was three, actually. Anyway, uh, he handles clients in various legal aspects of the adult industry and brings a wealth of knowledge about both the operation and legal aspects of the business. In addition to being a trial lawyer, Nick is also a professor teaching business plan writing at UCLA Extension. Nick, how and when did you get involved in doing legal work for the adult industry? Uh, about seven years ago, I got approached by one of my clients that runs a strip club, 
and he wanted to invest in adult industry and he wanted me to review and uh, negotiate some contracts for him mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i negotiated and we wrote up the contracts and he invested uh with a company and uh, it was i guess more profitable at the beginning than it is later mm -hmm. but overall he was happy with it and it was just something for him to basically dabble in. Mm -hmm. uh, once I started doing business with them, uh, with, with him and the other side, the other mm -hmm. side decided they liked the way I did things and they started hiring me. And then I got into the adult industry slowly but surely. I would say probably about, oh, I say four or five years ago, I went to the Phoenix Forum. I and miss that, I that show, movie. man. <laughs> it is a good show. It is yeah. a good show. Yeah, it was. it was a good show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that was yeah, your very relaxing. Yeah, and that was your first show. That was the first show. Yeah, I did the Phoenix Forum and then uh, XBiz. I went to one AVN, and I'll be honest with you, because uh, for me it's a business to business thing. Yes, the AVN was uh, it was a wonderful sitting at the Dunkin' Donut and working. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much what I did. Sat at the Dunkin' yeah. Donut for most of the time and worked. <laughs> I think everybody can picture that that spot and people with their laptops. There's no two ways about it. Hey, I got to ask you. So, so being a mainstream business guy and an attorney, what was your impression the first time you went to an adult expo? First time I went to an adult expo in... What respect? Like the first time I went, I went when I was like 21. I went to AVN. No, 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 no. I know. I'm talking. Yeah. I'm talking about as a business person. Yeah, my first impression of the people at the Phoenix Forum and other adult uh, industry shows, the business to business ones, is that mm -hmm. they are wonderful people. Mm -hmm. The people are accepting of all kinds of you know different people, yep. something that you don't see that. Like, for example, I go to legal conferences too, and if someone shows up with orange hair, you know, <laughs> or something, they would be treated as a pariah at a legal conference. <laughs> maybe not overtly, but maybe, you know, just subconsciously they would do that. But yep. when you go to the adult expo, everyone was uh, adult, uh, you know, business to business. So, you know, no matter who you were, no matter what you did, no matter how many tattoos you had, what color hair you had, or no hair at all, People treated you as one of their own and very right. accepting. Right. Uh, and I really enjoyed that. So when did you uh, stop dyeing your hair orange? Well, uh, <laughs> the court told me. <laughs> but I, was, I guess it would be the first jury trial I would ever have to go through. <laughs> uh, it forces you to not uh, having you know, orange hair. No, I didn't. Ha I never had one. I know. I know. Uh, that was a little. But... That was a little joke. Very little. <laughs> I can I can only muster so much early in the morning. So, um, how do you like working with people in adult? You kind of answered this a little bit at the trade shows, but how do you like working with people in adult versus people in the rest of the business community? Well, we get the same issues with the adult uh, people working in adult as opposed to the ones that don't work in adult. Mm -hmm. uh, I get a lot of people that just think the handshake is good enough or what they were promised. Right, is, right, it. right. And let's, uh, oh, it's the you know, word of God and everything is good and <laughs> you know, hunky-dory and we can just go forward and without having to take any kind of, uh, you know, you know, assurances that what we were promised or what you were promised is yep. going to be actually delivered to you. Correct. Yeah. 
you know, and, and you get the same thing. Adult, maybe a little more. A lot more. Uh, like, I think uh, it's, I think it's yeah. a lot more, but I don't know. <laughs> no, it's a little more because, okay. um, because I do get so many uh, of my other clients that still, uh, you know, just a non-adult industry that mm. still believe in that. Some of them are Jeez. old school. Like I've got yeah. a gentleman in his 80s that <laughs> still shake, does deals by shaking hands. He does everything he's supposed to. Not everyone does that. And I kept telling yeah. him the, the deal that nowadays when you shake hands with someone, you count your fingers to make sure they're all there and so is your <laughs> ring. You know? Make sure they didn't take it. Well, you should tell him that as long as he's shaking hands with somebody in his own age range, he's probably in fairly good shape. That's a little joke, but uh, yeah. any anyone else, forget about it. Um, what type of legal work do you do in the industry? Oh, we do all kinds. I mean, tell me. Uh, we do the negotiations on the large contracts, you know, when companies want to do deals with each other, mm -hmm. you know, exchange of, of products. Mm -hmm. We do enforcement when there's copyright, uh, you know, violations when someone took, you know, we have a case right now uh, that a mainstream individual um, uh, used copyrighted videos from one of our clients. Mm. And they're trying to say that, no, it's fair use. And we're saying, no, it's not fair use. Mm -hmm. Anyways, that's one of the things that we do. Now, it ranges. Now, it goes from the biggest deals with the business-to-business -business aspect to I've had, you know, then we go to the other spectrum, the other end of the spectrum, where uh, I represented two adult industry um, individuals living together whose uh, neighbor was complaining about them having uh, sex and too loud. <laughs> uh, and and the landlord wanted to evict them, and I basically you stepped in and said, no, 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 you, you just basically, this neighbor's got it out for them because this neighbor has found out that our, my clients are an adult, ah. and uh, therefore uh, we are not going to uh, put up that. You know, and uh, you can't do that, and you, you evict them, you try to evict them, I will go in there and I will basically... Um, put a full court press on you. And of course we never heard anything after that. Wow. So, it. But again, it ranges like what we do is we negotiate the contracts. We enforce the contracts. If we have to go to trial, we go to trial. Mm -hmm. um, I've even had appeals. The issue is I had, when I was growing up, I worked for a family business mm -hmm. and in the family business, I found out when I had a, as early as like 21, 22, mm -hmm. I had a, I had a, a lawyer for the family business who was a transactional attorney. Mm -hmm. I found out that a transactional attorney will do anything to settle the case, mm. even at the disadvantage of you, yeah. the client, because he wants to avoid litigation. Sure. Whereas I said to myself, well, I don't want to be that kind of an attorney. Mm. So I negotiate. And because I've got the business background, because I used to be a consumer of legal services before I became the provider of legal services. Yeah. I used to know what I hated about my lawyers and what my lawyers did mm. in the family business. And I go out of my way not to do that. That's For good. example, they used to leave me voicemails. Hey, Nick, this is Bob, blah, 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 about, you know, this matter, blah, blah, blah. You know, please call me back. And there was a point one on my bill. Can you hear me, Bruce? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, That's, cra That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. No, they would do that point one on my bill, and I would have to argue. So I do not do anything like that. Most of the time, my clients call me up and ask a quick question. I don't even put it in the in the computer. 
Uh, now, if I have to put, a, put think about it, if I have to read documents and stuff like that, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, it has to be built for because sure. I'm not Amazon. I don't have boxes shipping <laughs> out the door while I'm yeah. sitting there talking with yeah, you. Yeah, and you, you don't work for you don't work for free, nor should you. Oh no, no one. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, my time is basically my inventory, mm-hmm. and and because of that. Uh, so I have to charge for it. But if it's like someone that calls me up and asks a quick question, it's a good client, you know, someone that has worked with me before, someone has, you know, referred people to me, all of these things, I, I basically, you know, go out of my way to, to help them as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if I know the answers, I give the answer. If I don't know the answers, I try to get the answers or refer them to an attorney that does. Mm-hmm. I don't re- usually refer people to attorneys that I don't know well. Yeah. Uh, because I got to be able to have the their, that person's cell phone mm-hmm. and pick up the phone and say, hey, look, Larry, <laughs> the person I refer to you is not happy with your services. You're not calling him back fast yeah, enough or yeah, you're not calling yeah. her back fast enough. Right. You better call her back. And, and, and you'd be surprised. You know, that really mm-hmm. is the biggest problem with attorneys yeah. is that yeah. they don't return phone calls. Yes. Um, or emails. Fast enough. <laughs> um, I got, I got a great story about, uh, billing. Um, I, when I was doing my mom's, um, oh, I can't even think of that. Oh, her trust. trust uh, cool. we did the, um, Sometimes the words don't come early in the morning. Um, when I was doing her trust, I used an attorney, and I was in an office building, and uh, we were on the fifth floor, and two floors down, literally between a walk and an elevator ride, about a minute, okay, um, was this attorney. And so they delivered the documents to me, and I got a bill for an hour of time. For delivering documents. For delivering documents up two levels, taking an elevator. I hope you disputed that. Do you think? Of course I did. I said, I'm not paying. I'm not paying don't that. Don't be surprised people don't. Oh, yeah. And that's the thing. That's, that's kind of the old school attorney way. And I say old school because some are still doing it. Okay. But... Um, that to me, that's just crime. That's criminal. It is. It yeah. Is. Yeah. I had a, I have a client right now in a very interesting case, which is like for law, you know, it's got sex appeal, it's got money, it's got everything. And mm-hmm. in that situation, there was an attorney that this person had hired in a family law matter. And the lawyer is a famous LA divorce attorney mm-hmm. and she's this and she's that. And she's, <laughs> you know, this famous person's attorney and that famous person's attorney and all yeah. this other, you know, the bona fides. Right. She would charge my client eight hours of attorney work for making a one hour appearance. <laughs> and that is highly unethical. <laughs> and yeah. I told my you know, I told my client, you, you got to put your foot down as far as this family attorney. And by right. the way, one of the other things is I get people that say, oh, I went with, uh, you know, Tom, blah, 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 or Larry, blah, blah, blah. And he is, you know, this famous person's attorney or that famous person's attorney. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, but the problem there you have is mm-hmm. you are not famous. Yeah. Well, this you is well. They want to be famous. They want to be famous, so they figure if they if they uh, take on this person's attorney, that that makes them famous too. 
Well, well, yeah, some some people maybe in the talent front <laughs> may think that that's funny, but but no, some people I didn't think about that aspect of it. But but the problem is, you're not famous. You just become a cash cow to them. Of course, you know, of you just course. become something for them that you're secondary because your name is not on TMZ every week. Okay, their name is, and therefore. This cash, you're just a cash cow for them, and they don't give you the service. Right. And you usually get relegated to some associate that you've never even heard of after first or second meeting. Or a legal assistant. Yeah, or a legal assistant that doesn't even know what they're talking about. And this is like one of the biggest issues I have with all of these big advertising law firms. Mm -hmm. You know, like all the big ones that have billboards and stuff like that. Uh, every time I've had someone come to me from one of their accounts, and I don't handle personal injury or any of that stuff, but... You know, you always hear about the stories and the stories are, oh, yeah, I talked with the attorney once. And then the rest of the time, it was just some paralegal mm -hmm. that I was talking to, which, again, uh, no, I just don't run my practice that way. I, That's good. I still answer the phone myself, uh, even though I, we have a staff of three. Mm -hmm. uh, still do everything myself. There's just no reason to do this. If I'm <laughs> if as an attorney, I can't get off a phone call I don't want to be on. Mm -hmm. I don't deserve to be an attorney. <laughs> I, I I agree wholeheartedly. I uh, for for attorneys like the ones you described, I, I'll, I'll use the same saying that here in Thailand they use for some of the uh, some of the working girls that uh, that send their uh, uh, their customers emails all the time saying that they need money. Yeah, we call the customers ATM machines. Um, so uh, and they're they're pretty much on the same level too. So. Um, what are some of the basic legal things business people need to do or don't do? One of the things I'm finding out, and I give this as part of my class, and it's also I've given some lectures about this, is like basically the 10 things you need to know about contracts. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go through all 10 of them right now. Mm. But one of the things that you really need to do um, is make sure you're getting something You'd be surprised how many contracts I read where you're supposed to do A, B, C, D, and the other side has some kind of an amorphous, you know, thing that they're supposed to do, something that's not, uh, you know, uh, you know, written out, something that's not clear. Right. And, when, and sometimes when it's clear, there's no date to it. You know, mm -hmm. they can they can literally sit on there and sit on it and not do something. You know, they're supposed to do it. You've yeah. done your part. Right. They're supposed to do it. They say, well, I'll get to it two months from now. Nothing in the contract says that I have to do it now. Yep. Yep. So that's one of the issues. One okay. of the issues that I find a lot in contracts. Mm -hmm. Second of all, though, you, there's not even a contract. You know, and mm -hmm. they're just basically, like I said, right. you'd say something, the other person says something. Right. If it's something that is important to you, and of course it's important to you because guess what? You are negotiating this with someone. You're yep. asking them to do it. Yep. Get it in writing. Yep. Even if it's an exchange of emails and then the person ask them, if you, your understanding is the same, mm -hmm. please, please <laughs> say yes. Or tell me where I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah. In a reply email. Yeah, that could be used in court. 
it's not just necessarily in court. It just clarifies everything for everyone. Mm, mm. Like my business people, my my more, let's say, we're talking, see, the problem is we're talking, I don't know who we're talking about right now. Are we talking about a brand new, just someone working out of their home, you know, doing some work uh, or someone that is a more established business or someone that's a super big business in the everyone, industry. Everyone, everyone. Going forward, get something. If someone is supposed to do something for you, get it in writing yep. that they're supposed to do it by this day. They're what they're supposed to do exactly. What's the quality of what they're supposed to do? Mm-hmm. And when are they supposed to do it by? Sure. And if you're a bigger company, this is good for you mm-hmm. because now you can let your staff know, hey, listen, you know, Larry is supposed to do this by this date. And this is what we wrote. And this is what we're supposed to do by this date. Mm -hmm. So it makes it easier for you as a manager to just tell them, do this and I'll do that. And, and, and this way your staff knows it, you know it, and everyone else can basically work and row at the same pace towards the same goal. Sure. Okay. Sure. That's very important to get in writing and, and people, you know, I just so many times on a wing and prayer and sometimes they're afraid to get this, that, you know, it's not just intentional. They just don't want to rock the boat. Okay? Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. No, I, I compl- I've been there. I completely understand. They, they say, he promised me this. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to. Why? You mm-hmm. don't want to be spending a month of your time working. Or more. Less than a nut. Getting <laughs> something done. Yeah. Okay. And by the time you're done, by the time you're done, the other person isn't performing or hasn't done anything. Right, right. Get it in writing so you expect them to do it. Otherwise, why waste your time? Your time is your money. You know, I, I can't tell you how many agreements that I see and I look at. And I, I'm one of the few people you'll find that actually read something before they sign it. Okay. If it's really complex, I'll get it reviewed, you know, by by an attorney. But most things I can handle, I have a a pretty decent legal mind. Um, I mean, I'm not an attorney, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. Um, But That's half the battle. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But I find that there are so many that are one-sided or have language in it that I find unacceptable. And I go, no, I'm not going to do that. And so, you know, I, I, I go, this has got to come out. 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 So let me ask you a question. When you're writing an agreement, what what philosophy do you put into writing one for your clients so it will be acceptable and fair to the other side? You want to be successful. You have got to make sure it's win-win. Mm-hmm. My job, and that's part of what I bring to the table that other attorneys I feel that don't bring to the table because I can't come from a family business background. Mm -hmm. I come from the business background. Like I said, Mm -hmm. I was a consumer of legal services before I became a provider of legal services. I had lawyers that would come in there and destroy deals Mm -hmm. that go out of their way to ruin something. But uh, my goal is to, you know, the first thing, one of the things I do in my program that I have for my accounting program is it says goals. And mm-hmm. I write my client's goals in there. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I refer to all the time when we're dealing with contracts, when we're dealing with litigation, when uh, all of this stuff is being handled. 
we go for these goals. We follow mm -hmm. these goals. Mm -hmm. We say, this is what they wanted. The ultimate goal is this. So how can I make sure that this is, this is achieved? This goal mm -hmm. is achieved without mm -hmm. ruining it. Now, let me tell you something. Bruce, I have had situations where I told my client, this has happened about once every couple of years it happens. Mm -hmm. I say to my client, the day you're going to go sign this contract, not the one I negotiated, but the one that was put in front of them, mm -hmm. I will come to your office and I'll break every knuckle in your hand <laughs> just so you wouldn't sign this thing. And I've said that to clients, that I'm going to come over and break your knuckle just so you can't sign it Ooh. because it is that bad. Because I see stuff in there. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Am I, am I, talk, am ta am I talking to Nick or Michael Cohn? <laughs> no, no, no. No, no. This is my own client. I'm saying this. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. No, but this is my own client. I yeah. tell my client. And I say, look, this is why. This means this. Mm -hmm. That means this. You know, these are all things. Uh, here's a perfect example. Now, this one is, and, and, and let me tell you something. First of all, one thing that people have to understand mm -hmm. is, and this is very important, okay. no one ever came into my office and said, Nick, I knew he was a scum-sucking dirtbag. That's why I went into business with him. <laughs> okay? It's always, oh, he was my best friend. Oh, we were neighbors for 20 years. Oh, mm -hmm. we've known each other in the industry forever. All of these things. No one ever came up to me and said, I knew. Because the devil right. doesn't wear, you know, horns and he's red and it's got a little, you know, arrow for a tail walking around, you know, talking, wearing a suit, talking to you. Okay. Right. The devil comes off as being the angel, as yeah. being friendly. So you got to be careful about that. You're right. And another tr red flag is when they hold something way too big over your, over your head, you know, like hmm. perfect example, non adult industry, I have a client who started a business uh, by herself about, mm -hmm. let's see, at the time we were negotiating this thing was about four years ago. Mm -hmm. Okay, four years. She gets approached by a company that is a startup that has $80 million in backing, and they want to buy her business for $4 million. Okay. So by all standards, a very successful business, you know, that she's running. And the way they were paying was they were paying a lot above the, the earnings and they were paying way above and they were paying everything. So the, the dollar, mm -hmm. the pot of gold, the $4 million was huge. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and they were paying by all parameters. Like if you did a business analysis, you would mm -hmm. say business is worth maybe a couple of million, but 4 yeah. million is definitely double. Yep. That. Yep. We get this contract from a New York attorney. Yeah. New York attorneys just love to write complicated agreements. <laughs> just love writing. Not just agreements. not just New York ones, but go ahead. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. But the New York ones are particularly bad. Yeah. I had a lease agreement for a small restaurant that was 99 pages. How can you write a 99-page <laughs> lease for a restaurant? It's just insane. Okay. But this attorney had written for a $4 million con contract. You know, probably about, let's say, 60 pages uh -huh. over two separate contracts. That's okay? nuts. That's nuts. Yeah, well, 60 pages is okay, actually. My, my record is a 152-page letter. That I yeah, but, but I mean, for a, for a buy-sell, what, what the hell could be in there? Ah, funny you should ask. Okay. You read in there about 20 pages in, 
<laughs> there is a section, and, and you know, had I not read everything, had she not decided on having me review everything with these guys, mm-hmm. uh, 20 pages in, and the deal was supposed to be like over X number of years and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. Mm-hmm. And it was supposed to be like $300,000 at the beginning, then $120,000 every 90 days mm-hmm. until basically we reached the $4 million range. Mm-hmm. Something like that. I that's don't remember kind of, all the That's numbers. kind of a strange payout, but go ahead. It's 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 a payout because they wanted to kind of the, it was kind of golden handcuffs because they mm-hmm. wanted her to continue to work, you know, so they wanted her oh, to wow. be involved and they wanted all of these things. Mm-hmm. So you go about 20 pages into this contract, 20, 25 pages into the first contract, mm-hmm. and I see a very interesting clause. Mm-hmm. In it it said, okay, in a very convoluted language mm-hmm. that if we decide on firing you at any point during this next, let's say, four years, okay, that we were going to pay you out. I can't wait. (laughs) We will only give you a 120-day notice and thereafter basically don't owe you a penny. Oh, shit. I had a feeling it was going in that direction. Oh, my God. It was written in a very convoluted manner. My God. My God. It basically meant that they literally could sign this contract, okay, Take over the company. The right. next day, fire her. Right, right. And instead of four million dollars to her, three hundred. It was three hundred thousand dollars plus yeah. one hundred twenty. Jesus Christ. One hundred twenty thousand dollars, something like that. I don't remember all the numbers. <sighs> so, <sighs> so the four million dollar contract just became ten percent of that. She didn't. Uh, she didn't. Uh, when they uh, this attorney drafted this, uh, they didn't think anybody was going to review it, did they? No. Because Fuck. in the industry that she's in, yeah. okay, they're notorious for not reading anything. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, interesting. But they didn't think that an attorney was going to review it or that attorney was going to catch it. Right. So I immediately picked up the phone call. I said, hey, listen, I wanted to talk to you about this section, <laughs> okay, this clause you put in there, okay? And by the way, it took me like two, three readings first to understand what's going on. And secondly, to believe what's going on. Yeah, yeah. It's like, how audacious are you? Yeah. Like, what the heck is this paragraph? Yeah, that's, that's, again, it's, it's, it's borderline theft. It is. So I basically turned around, but I called him on it. And the Lord goes, well, I have to do what's best for my client by ripping off, you know, and basically breaching the entire contract. Really? So he was hemming and hawing and basically trying to do the best tap dancing job he could do. Yeah, yeah. And things like that. Well, you know they don't want to, you know, he should go he should go on, he should go into politics probably. Pretty I much, think pretty I much. think it's those types of attorneys we're seeing in Congress by the way. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, don't get me started on that. One. But <laughs> but that's that's the kind of thing that you see and if you're not careful because the the pot at the end was so big, you know. Yeah, that, but it, but it wasn't her. it wasn't as it seemed, of course. No, of it course. wasn't as it seemed. Of right. course, we negotiated that right away, and right. and then we went in there, and I basically at that point I was on like I was on high alert for oh, anything yeah, yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. So I was going through that thing. I always go through a fine tooth and comb. I right. went through that thing three times. Oh, good. But it was a fine tooth comb because I didn't want to be anyone would be scamming me or my clients on no, anything. No. And I didn't trust him. And guess what? That mm. deal eventually broke up. Not of course. because of, of course. me. Of course. Okay. No. But because 
They finally found out, the, sorry, or I don't know if they found out, but they knew that had they paid the $4 million, mm-hmm. the dollars just weren't there. Right, right. If they had made a reasonable offer, <laughs> you, could, you know, they could have been negotiated, but they wanted to steal it instead. That's, that's... They, broke, they, they, they broke the deal up yeah, sure. because they couldn't scam her. Right, right. Jesus, okay. Jesus. And now the dollars wasn't there. Now, now they had uh, the, the, the $4 million, you know, where they could have basically broken it up after $2 million, after $1 million, whatever was yeah. financially yeah. feasible. For them, all of a sudden, they found out, oh, my God, we can't do this. Yep. So funny. that was one of the cases. Funny, funny. Yeah, but again, this is what everyone needs to apply. You know, yep. it's, it's written in the terms and conditions in the blah, blah, blah section, I call it. Because we all <laughs> read that first section that, that says party A and party B. And then we read the, you know, the recital, which says A is supposed to do this, B is supposed to do this. And then you go to the terms and conditions where everyone's eyes glaze over. Right. That's I read, where they put it. I read them. I read them. Um, <laughs> so I get it. Not most, not many people do. Um, and, and let me tell you, sorry, one more thing. Let sure. me tell you something not and your audience. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Please. I don't care how old you are. Start reading them. Yep. Even if you don't get them the first time you read it, read yep. it a second time yeah. and a third time, and maybe even draw a little chart for yourself that Bob is supposed to do this, Larry is supposed to do this, zigzag it back and forth, whatever. Let me explain why that's important. By the time you're on your third, fourth, fifth agreement, you get an eye for it. Mm-hmm. I and know. it's not as gibberish as it sounds. Sure. It's English. Okay. It becomes English for you. Right. Your mind adjusts. It's like me and TikTok. The first time I watched TikTok <laughs> for the first day or two, it was like, my God, why is everything so fast? Why is everything 15 seconds? Oh, my God, I can't even focus on these videos. They're so fast. Now, any video that goes more than 30 seconds, I'm like, oh, my God, this is so boring. Why is the second so long? Okay? Your brain adjusts. I your know. eyes adjust. I know. And, by the way, if you see a big legal word, like, mm-hmm. not even big, like, whereas, just put your thumb over it. And the rest of the sentence without the whereas makes sense. Yeah, I got it. I got it. Um, yeah, you got to read it. But better than reading it six times, hire an attorney. I say it all the time. People ask me, well, people are asking for legal advice like on XBiz or GFY. They're saying, well, I've got this contract and what do I do about this? I go hire an attorney. Well, but hire an attorney. I mean, that's my answer to everything. And that's what I do. You know, I, when I, when I want to get my car fixed, I don't try to fix it. I hire a mechanic. When it, when I have legal issues, I hire an attorney. When I, you know, when I, when something hurts, I go to the doctor. So anyway, you know, what's uh, more expensive than hiring an attorney, not hiring an attorney late. Yeah, no shit. So that, that kind of leads into this, you know, many people in our industry, like we talked about, don't treat it like a business. How dangerous is that? It's extremely dangerous, okay? Because of not only it can be your bet your, you know, business deal, like where you sign a contract where your outlay could be way more than the money that you're getting. Could be a $10,000 contract to you, but it could be $100,000 in damages mm-hmm. that they're going to claim when you don't perform or if there's something goes wrong. Right. So 
hundred thousand dollar damage could be, you know, bankruptcy court. Right. Right. So it, it could be a bet your business kind of a thing. And when we're most people like us, when we are self-employed, like I am, mm-hmm. you know, our business is our life. Right. You know, we do spend the night, you know, waking up and you were, what was I tell another thing to my UCLA class is, mm-hmm. you know, the, the old joke is, you know, ever since I went into business for myself, I sleep like a baby. Mm-hmm. I wake up every two hours and cry. <laughs> That's an old one. It's an old one, yeah. but it's true also. Yeah. yeah. Um, I see a lot of lawsuits in our industry, uh, especially from certain attorneys. <laughs> when should someone sue and when shouldn't they sue? Oh, boy. It's such an open-ended question, okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, a few things I would look for mm-hmm. in deciding whether I want to sue on the contract, mm-hmm. okay, uh, on a business matter. So right. why am I saying business matter? If this was family law and they're going through a divorce, mm-hmm. they hate each other so much, they'll spend $50,000 to collect ten. <laughs> makes no sense. Right. But they'll do anything just to put a finger in the other person's eye. Yes. For business, you have to have a bit of a, you have to do the calculus. You have to do the calculations to make sure that right. it makes sense for you. Yeah, but a lot of a lot of business breakups are like divorces and people get really, really, really upset. Partnerships are, a partnership breaks up, uh, breakups and, and shareholder breakups. You know, everyone says partnership, but in reality, most of the time it's shareholder breakup. Mm-hmm. Is one of the second, like, biggest things as far as your emotions. Well, actually, third most important thing. I would put family number one, mm-hmm. landlord tenant number two, surprisingly, because when people, like, attack the way you, you know, live it. and stuff like that, I people fight through the nail. And yes. the third one would be partnership breakup. Yes. Um, the issue is when she, oh, the question, sorry, well, going back to your question, yeah. was when she decide to sue, mm-hmm. it depends. If it's substantial sum of money, if it's reputational, mm-hmm. that someone is destroying your reputation and it's going to cost you more than the $10,000 that is at issue, more than the $5,000 at issue, definitely consider that. Mm-hmm. The other thing you have to look at mm-hmm. is one of the most important things that people need to understand is litigation is like a beauty contest. Mm-hmm. Okay. And because I'm so handsome, I win all the, no, I'm kidding. We <laughs> know, we know, no, we know, Nick. It's, no, I'm kidding. So, so, but it is a beauty contest. So if you have your hand is dirty, take that into consideration as part of your, whether you should sue or not. Yeah. I tell my clients, if that other side has done X, Y, and Z, and they're all unethical and bad and everything, that still doesn't justify you doing A, B, and C. Yeah, yeah. Because that comes out in litigation. Sure. And at first, the judge sits there, and if it's a bench trial, which means only the judge decides, you know, the judge sits there and goes, okay, well, that guy did X, Y, and Z, that's bad. But you did A, B, and C, and then I have to basically weigh which one was a worse conduct. Yeah. Okay. If one side has just done the X, Y, Z, the bad stuff, and you were clean, mm. the judges will bend over backwards. Most judges, not all, you know, most judges will bend over backwards to try to have you win. The yeah. juries do the same thing too, mm-hmm. because they don't want to be voting for someone that did something bad. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
They don't want to be saying, I'm putting my, you know, I'm voting for this guy because this guy is, because then it becomes cursory upon both of your houses. Yeah, that's right. So that's another thing that you got to take into consideration. And that is who did what? Okay. Yeah. Who, who was doing how, you know, the actions. Yeah. Third thing I would recommend, and by the way, this list can go on forever, but the <laughs> third important factor that I want to consider is collectability. Yes. Okay. The person has to be collectible. Mm. Now, I can win judgments mm. against so many people, okay? But are we able to collect it? Sometimes we do it because we have to do it. Mm -hmm. We have to prove to the world outside that we went and we enforced our rights because it's reputational for us. Either, you know, it would look bad for us if we don't do it or people think that they're going to get away with it by not paying us. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Or not taking care of or doing what they're supposed to do with the contract. Sometimes it's reputational. Then you have to kind of spend the money and go after this person right. because you want to make sure that there's an issue. Right. Other times it's not reputational. Other times it's it's just a matter of, you know, passion. It's fifty thousand dollars, but it's not collectible or it's gonna cost me a lot to collect it. Sure. And by the way. Let your lawyer decide, okay, or help you decide. Correct. I collected a fourteen thousand dollar judgment in back in two thousand and seven. I got one. Sorry, not collected it. I got a judgment mm -hmm. for fourteen thousand dollars. Yeah. In two thousand and seven. Right. I immediately put liens on. You know what we call abstract of judgment. Mm -hmm. This is, by the way, California law. Abstract of judgment yep. everywhere. Yep. And I didn't see anything about mm -hmm. that for years. Last year, we collected $42,000 oh, for my clients. You had interest. That $14,000 judgment gets in California, gets 10% simple interest. Nice. Nice. So after all these years, um, we negotiated, and I think we ended up giving them a couple of thousand off just to be, you know, somewhat good. Sure. I think 40, 42, we got something like that. Nice. But we, we enforced it. At the time, the person thought, eh, you know, you got a judgment against me. So what? I'm not going to pay the 14. Right. Okay. I had no idea that I had laid all these traps around, you know, <laughs> and these traps basically had put liens on their property. Right. So when they yeah. go to, when they go to, when they go to sell their property, they've, or their business, they, they've got to pay the lien. They got to pay the lien before they do it. Right. Another thing that, you know, uh, that is dangerous. I've had this happen. I had one person who was hiding all of their assets before they entered into business with my client. Yeah. We went, we won. We got the judgment, mm -hmm. and the guy goes, I'm uncollectible. I don't have any assets. Mm -hmm. And eventually, that became true because the family member that they trusted with their assets mm -hmm. took the assets. <laughs> Karma's a bitch. Um, exactly. How much of uh, uh, litigation these days comes from social media? I've had a few cases on uh, the social media. Like I get a lot of one of the biggest things I get right now is is when we have a shareholders basically breaking apart. Mm -hmm. uh, and I tell everyone I worry about the divorce, not the wedding. Mm -hmm. You know, when I meet with them, I worry about now everyone is all lovey dovey right now in my conference room. And I love you and you love you. No, I love you. You know, things like that. I'm thinking about when I hate you. No, I hate you. You know, things like that. Right. And let's put it in writing now while it's cheaper. 
mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and write it up. It, it Some of these sentences that I write, some of these paragraphs that I write in these uh, operating agreements or, you know, buy-sell agreements between, uh, between uh, two shareholders, mm-hmm. things like that. It takes me maybe a minute to write, but that one minute saves 50 hours of legal time later. Good. Okay. If I write some, some simple thing like venue, mm. uh, venue like takes me, what, 10 seconds to write venue? Right. But that can save my client thousands and thousands of dollars. Right. Yeah, I get that. I get that. But I mean, but I mean, what what are you uh, in the agreement in the initial agreement protecting against uh, one partner slandering the other partner in the case of a breakup? Or it, it's, it's it's the social media aspect of it. Yes. comes Whenever they break up. Yeah. Whenever they break up, I, I invariably get a call from my client saying, "Oh, he's slamming me on the social media." Yeah. And then I go and look. And it's not slamming you. It's just basically saying, well, I'm no longer involved with so-and-so company and uh, yeah. I just didn't feel like continuing working with them. Yeah. Well, well what if, uh, but, but what if, but but what if they really do slander them on social media? If, if they, well, libel, because once it's written, it's libel. Oh, okay. uh, slander is when you say it. Verbal. Okay. Sorry. Uh, verbal. Yeah. Verbal. Yeah. Always remember S for speech, you know? Ah. L- <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, so if it's libel, if it's a libelous conduct, yes, we mm-hmm. can go after that. Make sure you get the screenshots. Make sure you do the HTML saving. Yeah, yeah. I want to make sure as much information as you have. Get before it gets taken down. Yeah. yeah. Before it gets taken down. So right. we have that. The problem there sometimes is showing damages. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay? Yes. But on certain things, the, uh, the, the law believes damages are a given well what if somebody what if somebody writes uh bruce friedman stole from me and uh you know uh, something along those lines and i did nothing of the sort um would that be libel uh that that would be libel if you did no such thing yeah um because the only real defense to libel is mm-hmm. the truth, you know, and they okay. have to come in there and they have to prove that you did that, that you okay. stole something. Got it. Now, Got if it. they printed that out on, on social media, uh, what, what you will do at that time is you will do the following. Mm-hmm. You will file your lawsuit mm-hmm. and have try ask them to take it, well, ask them to take it down if they don't take it down. But the damages the argument I would make in a case like that was it's a business reputational damage. Yes, yes. Okay. And that the court will see as more of a um, less proof. You know, there's less mm-hmm. proof needed. Yeah. Okay. Sure. If if I'm just, you know, there's a few areas like like in the old days, I don't know if it's still, you know, but but like if you question the chastity of a woman, mm. okay. The law assumed automatically that there was damages. Mm, The woman didn't have to prove that, oh, I couldn't get married to, you know, (laughs) Sir Bridgerton, you know, I guess whatever it is in that show, Mm. you know, or or this and that, or Mm. or the Duke of Leicester, okay, whatever, because they slandered my reputation. The, the, The government assumes, the courts assume that, Certain things mm-hmm. 
business reputation, the chastity of a woman, that yes, there is damage. Okay. Okay. And now there's going to be the other side is going to say, well, what was the damage? What business deals did you lose? Yeah. yeah but it's exactly. going to be hard for you to prove because it's going to be hard for you to prove like, yeah, 10 people would have called me. Yeah. But nine of them didn't. Yeah. Well, how do you know? Yeah. That's so, a good. That's a good point. That's, that's a really yeah. good point. Makes so, for so makes for a good argument. Makes for a good argument. That's their argument, but but my right. would be business reputation. My argument would be business reputation. Yes. Uh, you know how do I can I prove nine people didn't call mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. because they saw that? Yeah. But we can see that you know it was a public post. That person has thousand followers. They said this. They said that, and all of these things that there was there was an issue. But at the same time, you have to you have to also be careful because you know. In this country, we have free speech. Yes. And by the way, one of the things that people have to understand and they keep telling me is like, oh, my God, free speech, free speech, free speech. No, no, no. The free speech clause is there for the government not to pass any laws that restricts your speech. Right. Right. It's right there in the First Amendment. Yeah. Exactly. It's for the government. It puts Mm -hmm. limitations on the government. Not the people. It doesn't give you carte blanche. But at the same time, you can't just come in there and basically, you know, libel or slander someone's reputation. Right. Right. Okay. By the way, another thing that you got to know, it's got to be published to a third party. You and me talking to each other. And Mm. I say, Bruce, you stole my money from me. Right. That's not slander. Okay. Okay. What are some of the basic business things people need to know? Oh, so let's uh, let's on uh, this one. I'm going to shift a little bit from someone that has got an ongoing business to someone that's a brand new business. Okay, mm-hmm. if you're starting a brand new business, either as talent, okay, you're starting this business, and nowadays we see all everyone incorporating in California and blah blah blah, and this other stuff. Uh, and if they're doing that, they come in there and they have to think about it that I have to build this proper foundation the proper foundation is very important okay and the proper foundation comes from getting a good accounting program (laughs) yeah get quickbooks get whatever you want there's all these cloud-based accounts right now Mm -hmm. but get an accounting program spend about a a day or two learning it Mm -hmm. okay this way, you need to know whether this is worth it, your, worth your time or not your time, okay? Mm-hmm. In addition to that, you need to basically, of course, do 800 different things. The class I teach at, at UCLA is a, uh, developing a business plan right. class. And it's an 11-week course, hmm. and it's like a mini business school. And we cover marketing and sales. And, you know, by the way, they're not the same thing. A lot of people kind of confuse marketing uh, and sales. I know that being a marketing yeah. guy. That's one yeah. of my that, – that's, that, that's, a, that's a sore spot with me. So thank you for bringing that up for sure. Yeah. You know, we go through all of these aspects. And one of the first things I say is make sure you get that good accounting program. Learn mm-hmm. the accounting program. Mm-hmm. It's good to know. Mm-hmm. Be able to – it's like having a baseball game where you don't know how many strikes, how many balls, you know, how you, you know, what's the score? What's the point? You know, you're just basically <laughs> just, you know, just the guy just swinging and swinging and swinging and no one's keeping score. You got to keep score and the accounting program is what keeps score. Yep. Second thing is you got to decide whether you want to form a corporation or an LLC. Okay. Or not. People ask me this all the time, especially yeah. new business people. Do I form it? Do I not form it? Do I form it? Do I not form it? Yeah. yeah. If you're like a company that's that's just starting or someone, let's say you're doing production or you're doing editing or something like mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. 
you have to look at a few things to decide whether you form a corporation or an LLC, a limited liability company. One of them is what are you doing? Okay. Mm -hmm. What is the, is is it dangerous? Mm -hmm. Could it have dangerous implications? Mm -hmm. Like if you edit something wrong, if you don't make proper background uh, backup of it, mm-hmm. you lose the raw footage. Mm-hmm. You know, could you be sued for yeah. hundreds of thousands of dollars? You know, Liab- damage liability. Sure. The liability is it large? Mm-hmm. Then you want to have that corporation. I have people that say, "I am in the cupcake business," and I say, "You better form a corporation right now and make sure you get insured up to the ears." Yep. One bad batch, yeah. one bad thing of butter, mm. and you got a party full of sick people. You're yeah, gonna or, get sued. Or, or something, or something that uh, that goes into a uh, cockroach crawls into it, or or uh, something poisonous ends up in it. Exactly. So you got to be careful. So if you're in the food business, form a corporation, get yourself insured. Sure. If you're if you're hiring employees, yes. you hire get a, co- a company. Uh, you form a company. Sure. If you have partners, you oh. form a company. Yep, and and get a partnership agreement. Oh no, not a partnership agreement. That's hmm. where you got to be very careful. Bruce. Okay. Oh, that's right. You're forming yeah. a forming a company. That's right. Forming a company is a shareholders. Yeah. For a company or a corporation. True. True. And uh, for an LLC, it's memberships. Ah, okay, okay. Now, now, why is listen that most dangerous, mm. horrible thing in the world mm. is, and this is what you have to avoid like the plague, okay? Okay. And that is the general partnership. Why? Because it's unlimited liability mm. for the conduct of the other person. Oh, okay. So if you and I walk into Bob's office yeah. and say, we're starting an editing business, and we can do whatever you want mm-hmm. for blah, 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 this and that, the other thing, okay? And you walk out. Both of you guys walk out. Mm-hmm. You just basically haven't formed a corporation, haven't done an LLC, haven't done anything. Mm-hmm. You walk out, and you, like, you get in your car, and your partner gets in that car, in his, in his car, or I get in my car. <laughs> then... Once you leave, I go back upstairs and I tell the guy, hey, listen, I was thinking something. And uh, if you give us $100,000 up front, we can start this business. And instead of giving it to you for $10,000 a job, we'll do it for you for $8,000 a job. And Bob does it. Mm -hmm. Guess what, Bruce? Mm -hmm. Everything you own is also responsible for that $100,000. Because general partnerships, which is uh, just, and it's easy to get into, my friend. Sure. Been you in one. It, that's <laughs> it. You just present yourself as that. Yeah. As, a, as business people together. Yeah, yeah. That's why one of the things I look at whenever I'm with someone is their business card. Yeah. I look at the business card and I see, okay, does it say incorporation? Does it say LLC? No, nothing. Then I go check the state databases, find out if they're a corporation. I go, guess what? I got these two personally liable, and I got both of them liable, for, even if one of them doesn't. By the way, it could be nothing even 
intentionally malicious. Yeah, yeah. If the person is driving their car while they're doing something for the business, crashes the car, kills someone, and they only have fifteen thousand dollars in insurance, they're both okay? liable. They're both liable. They would both be liable. Yeah. By the way, the insurance for what people don't know is your car insurance for uh, your regular car insurance is not good enough necessarily for uh, business insurance. That's true. Okay, so they got to be careful about that. You got to have business insurance. That's another thing. Well, you got to have business insurance. That, that's another thing that protects you. And then there you got to have, you know, if you're going to be a bigger company, directors and officers insurance, you know, mm -hmm. to protect you from getting sued, you know, if something happens. Sure. But, you know, so, so these are some of the things that you have to do. So going back to the thing, form a corporation if you're with anyone else. Mm -hmm. If you're with, uh, form an LLC, you know, and, and I'm not going to go into all the tax ramifications with the LLC versus the corporation or the S corp or a C corp or any of the other stuff that the California has. But again, uh, form either an LLC or a corporation because that protects mm -hmm. your personal assets to a certain extent. Okay. You still have to follow all the corporate formalities and mm -hmm. pay all the taxes and all these things. Sure. Think of it as additional insurance provided by the state. Yeah. Yeah. For you to have less personal liability, mm -hmm. and by having less liability, guess what happens? What? You get to sleep better. <laughs> you don't wake up every every two hours crying like a baby. Well, you still wake up every two hours if you have payroll, but but, <laughs> <laughs> but still, but still not as bad. Maybe every three hours. But so yeah, go ahead. That's sleeping. Think of it as sleeping. There so now, go. whether you form a business, you always form a corporation. Now. Mm -hmm. If you have a partner, mm -hmm. okay, it's not a partner, excuse me, when if you have a, another shareholder or if you're going to bring an investor, mm -hmm. the attorney needs to write it for you. Yes, yes, absolutely. Someone that knows what they're doing. Yes. Because, yeah, it's good to say we're 50-50, but sometimes it's 70-30 and things like that. And if I represent the one that's a 30% owner, I make sure certain things need 71% of the shares hmm. before it passes. Uh, hmm. Otherwise, guess what? The person that has 70% of the shares has more than 50%. Everything they want carries. Yes. Yes. That's absolutely true. Well, Nick, how can someone contact you about all this? Oh, well, we have uh, several ways. My email is, the, is one way. It's Nick, N-I-C-K at czarlawfirm.com. Okay. So Z-A-R-L-A-W-F-I-R-M.com. So Nick at czarlawfirm.com. You can also go to our website, czarlawfirm.com, of course. Mm -hmm. And then my phone number. And again, I answer my phones myself because it's not even worth the headache of just going there and we return phone calls as fast as we can, unless I'm in the middle of the trial. Call them at 3 a.m. <laughs> uh, no, let's not do that. I had opposing counsel do that to me last last week. Bastard. Yeah, at 1.45 a.m. And I told him, 1.45 a.m.? What the heck? You know, I said this back. And he, at 2.15, he texted me a second time. Oh, fuck. And I just went off on him. Good. And that's going to cost his client a lot of money. So what's the, <laughs> what's the number? <laughs> uh, the phone number is 424 Two four zero eight seven four four. Call today. Call today. Operators are standing by. Go Operators ahead. Say, go ahead. Say, say it again. Got 
424-240-8744. Well, Nick, I know we could talk a lot more, and I'm sure we will on a subsequent uh, podcast, but I'd like to thank you for being our guest today on Adult Site Broker Talk. Thank you very much for having me, Ruth. And, um, you know, everyone, again, nothing is worse than, uh, nothing is more expensive than hiring a lawyer than hiring a lawyer late. Just remember that. Okay. Thanks, Nick. My broker tip today is part four of how to buy a website. Last week, we discussed making an offer and deciding the best price for the site you're buying. Once you've made your offer, the work begins. If you're working with a broker, like say, oh, I don't know, maybe adult site broker, we handle the negotiation for you. Let's say the seller doesn't accept your offer. They may make a counteroffer. If you decide that you're willing to pay more, you can either accept their counteroffer or counter back to them. A good rule of thumb is to always leave room to negotiate. So don't make an offer that's the absolute most you're willing to pay. If you do that, then you have nowhere to go if the owner counters your offer. Once the owner and you have come to a deal, then it's time to do some due diligence beyond what it is you've already done. During the initial process of looking at the site, you should have asked some questions, like in the case of a pay site, how many joins and rebills there are per day, and other pertinent questions. During due diligence, you need to make sure everything is where you need it to be technically to integrate it with what you're already doing. You may even get your developer involved if you're not tech savvy. You and or your developer should ask these pertinent questions. Once those are answered, to your satisfaction, you should either have the seller or yourself draw up a sales agreement. I always tell my clients to do the agreement. Why? Because that way you can dictate the terms. So whether you're the buyer or the seller, you can make the rules. However, just be ready to have the seller's attorney change some of those rules. Nothing is final until everything is signed off on. Another thing we can do for our clients is to do a letter of intent prior to the sales agreement being done. This gives your attorney a roadmap for the agreement. The letter of intent and more so the agreement will have all of the terms involved, including who pays for everything. Who pays for escrow, for instance. This can be paid by the buyer, the seller, or split between both parties. We'll talk about this subject more next week. And next week, we'll be talking to entrepreneur Jack Armstrong of Magnum Rings. And that's it for this week's Adult Site Broker Talk. I'd once again like to thank my guest, Nick Zargarpour. Talk to you again next week on Adult Site Broker Talk. I'm Bruce Friedman.